message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakingDeacon.com Good morning, Father. Truly, at this moment, I ask that you get me out of the way. That all that matters is the objective truths of Scripture, interpreted correctly and uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would understand and obey. Because we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Get your brains ready. There's wiggle room on your notes for writing stuff. Um, Because we're going to talk about two very important things. Tonight we have a baptism service. Yes. Very exciting. There is nothing more exciting than to be able to have the Lord's Supper with folks and to see people proclaim to the world that they follow Jesus. It is the most manliest thing a man could ever do. And for ladies, it is the most lady thing you could ever do. It is a fulfillment of your being. All right, To follow your Creator, Jesus. And by the way, Jesus' first miracle is recorded in Genesis. He was with God and the Holy Spirit when they created everything. Holds And He sustains and holds everything. I don't want to get off track from that. But... We're going to talk about two things that are very important. Salvation and baptism. Now, the reason we're going to do that is because, uh, for many theological reasons, but one thing's for sure, I want to make sure today that you know for sure that if you would die, you're going to go to heaven. One thing God does not want to leave a human being guessing is where they're going to go when they die. And he doesn't leave us floating out there trying to make up some strange demonic religion from TV shows, superstitions, and wacky religions. That's not where we get our theology about heaven. We get our theology about heaven and salvation from the Bible. I know that's a big what? But it is. Facebook will not save you. The Bible, the clear teaching of Scripture will. So, and we're going to be talking first about salvation, and then we'll talk about baptism. The idea of salvation first is people should not be baptized if they don't know Jesus, if they're not relying on Christ for their salvation. So let's begin to unpack this. First, we're going to talk about salvation. And we're going to Second Peter's. Now, I want you to be ready. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible verses. However, I've tried to condense this down, so I'm highlighting. But I could, there's a lot of scripture on these two topics, so I'm going to try to make it consumable. To our minds. Okay? Bear with me. Second Peter chapter 1, 10, and uh, I had 10 through 12, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to isolate 10 and 12. Uh, Peter, who wrote that, says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Therefore, I jumped to verse 12. I skipped a whole verse. I'm letting you know up front. Therefore, I intend always to remind you 
of these qualities, that you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I want to emphasize something. Look at the certainty of of Peter that you are established in the truth. Alright? It's very concrete. The Bible is objective. It is not subjective. And it is concrete truth. There is a law of gravity. There is a law of God. Now, what are these qualities that Peter is talking about? Let's take a look. I'm going to go back up to First Peter, or Second Peter. We're going to go to verse two through four. Now, I love Second Peter. This book, this the first chapter is so mind blowing with truth that it's like the ultimate. It's there's so many awesome Bible verses, and this is one of the many. Peter writes. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that His divine power, this is it, hold on your seatbelts, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. Promises. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Is that a lot? I read that nice and slow, but whoa, right? That's a lot. So, let me try to just punch out a few things here for us to look at. Seeing that His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Okay? Next week, I'm going to show... Here's a highlight for next week. I'm going to show a video clip of the old Muppet show, Pigs in Space. It's an awesome clip. And in that episode, Pigs in Space are coming to the end of the universe. And at the end of the universe, they get to find out the meaning and purpose of life. And we get to find out what they thought of that. So stay tuned for next week. <laughs> or you can Google it. Alright. <laughs> okay. Seeing that His divine power has granted us everything for p- pertaining to life and godliness. How do we get this? Through the true knowledge of Him, capital M, Him, Jesus, who called us by His own glory and excellence. And by these, He's granted us precious and magnificent promises. In your Bible, big Bible, little Bible, are these insane promises of God. And can God lie? No. No, He can't lie. God cannot lie. God is unable to lie. Because evil is not an ability. God does not have that ability in Him to be evil. Alright? He is free. 
from those magnificent promises by them you may become partakers we may become partakers of the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world okay we're going to unpack a little more of that towards the end but in essence someone who follows Jesus doesn't look or act like the rest of the world doing their dumb things all right? The world is looking for the next sin to do. What's the greatest sin I could do today? Mm, yum, yum, yum. Christians go, Ugh, I want Jesus more than that sin today. This, is a, this has got to be a miracle. I want Jesus more than my latest popular sin. Christians are going in a different direction. But here are the things. And what I want you to do is I want you to keep measuring your heart in light of Scripture. Christians are always growing. We're always growing. And Peter's telling us that Christians use effort not to be saved, but to measure our salvation, to make sure we are saved. And here they are. For this very reason, make some effort when you get a chance. Is that what it says? I highlight it in yellow. What does it say? Make every effort to supplement your faith. I want to start right there. I want to make sure you do not have the world's definition of faith. The world's definition of faith is, I believe it. Why? Because. That's the world's definition of faith, and people who have that faith will go to hell. Jesus gives us a faith because He wrote it out. Believe it. There's no second guessing. We don't have to I wonder. God has told us. Okay? And so look, it's even in this text. Supplement your faith with virtue, goodness. And what's the next one? And with virtue, knowledge. Knowledge. God wants you to know. He wants you to know. He wants you to know. And with knowledge, look what happens. Hey, I don't want to do that sin anymore. I'd rather love Jesus more. I've got some self-control. What? And with self-control, steadfastness. That's patience, endurance. I'm going to keep following Jesus and I don't give a rip what the world says. The world stinks. And with steadfastness, Godliness. That's what people come up next to you. You're starting to sound like one of those Bible-thumping Christians there. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then with that comes brotherly affection. I'd go to church, but for those other people there, church would be great. Right? Brotherly affection. Can you be patient with the other brothers and sisters in church? Love them. Brotherly affection with love. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ means He's the boss. When Jesus says you do something, you do it. You don't say, "Eh, maybe, let me think about it. I could be a sinner today. I could just be an idiot today. Or I could follow Jesus. Right? Lord Jesus. Lord. Alright. Here's another one. Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. 
What about this? Now, get, I want you to know, I'm getting ready to talk to you about something called eternal security. But I want to bring up these verses first. Work out your salvation. Therefore, my beloved, Paul writes, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now, what does this mean? Do I have to work for my salvation? If, what if I miss church? What if I miss a ritual? What if I didn't do the hokey pokey at the right time? Then am I no longer saved? Huh? That's not what this means at all. When you see the Olympics just ended, those Olympic people, they're practicing. Are they working for a body? Or are they working out their body? Okay, nobody exercises to work for a body. You don't start as a phantom and then you go to the gym and do a curl and all of a sudden you've got an arm. You already have an arm and you work it out and you become more strong. You're not working for your salvation, you're working out your salvation. And that was just illustrated with those other verses about are you reading your scriptures? Are you analyzing yourself? When you read scripture, are you trying to do what it says? What are you wrestling with with the scripture? It says, work out your salvation, not work for it. Because look at this. In the same verse where it says, work out your salvation. Uh, before I get to that, let me mention one more thing about this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You should be very concerned to the point that you know for sure you're going to heaven. And you should be constantly analyzing yourself. Am I bearing the fruit of a Christian? When you look at the scripture, am I growing? Can I look at this year to last year and say, yeah, I'm bearing fruit. I'm bearing fruit. Yay, Jesus. Yes. Right? Because look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So here we see a synergy. We're not working for salvation, we're working out our salvation, and in it, God still gets all the glory. Yeah, but I mean, I read my Bible every morning, I prayed, yeah, and God gets 100% of the glory and you get none of it. Amen to that. Okay. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for your good pleasure, so that you can get a new car. No. For His good pleasure. It's for God. Right? Okay. If God has saved you from His wrath, you're a new creature. You should have an ever-present desire to know God, Jesus, more and more. And you should have an ever-present desire to find a way into your Bible more and more. It won't take over everything, but you should be coming... That's a, that's a constant, more interested in God things as you grow up. I'm talking grown-ups here. As you grow up, you should become more and more interested in God things. Not religious things, God things. What does the scripture say about this? Where can I find the answer to that? How should I behave, Jesus, in this situation? What do you want me to do at work? What do you want me to do at school? What do you want me to do with my family who's nuts? Right? 
We should be asking God. We should want, we should care what God thinks. Only Christians do that. Lost people don't do that. Lost people go, I want to do what I want to do. And forget it. And even if God don't like it, I don't care. Right? Christians are just the opposite. They want what God wants. And it's a persistent thing. It's in you, despite you. Why do I care what God wants? None of my friends like what God wants. Why am all of a sudden am I caring what God wants? So I'm asking you to analyze your heart. Do you care what God wants? Okay? And you should be looking for things. Think of something you want badly enough. What do you do to get it? You plan. Right, I'm going to come up with a plan to get that. Right? I know I want to upgrade my iPad to the latest iPad. So I'm going to come up with a reason to get that. Thursday, I was coveting flat panel screen TVs. We were talking about this. I was at Best Buy going, <laughs> right? And there's a TV for three grand. It's like 55 inch, just an amazing piece of artwork. I'm thinking, how could I justify buying that? Come on, think, right? And you, you, what you want, you plan for. When somebody wants God and wants the Bible, you're planning, you're scheming. How can I get into this book? How can I understand it better? How do I know I'm reading it right? How do I know it's the right translation? And you're pursuing, you're scheming, you're moving into God. Is that cool? How are we doing? Huh? Make sure everyone's with it. Okay. Now, here's the big one. You're not trying to do good, so you'll go to heaven. Okay, that's what the lost people think. That's why lost people are afraid to come into church, because they think they have to clean themselves up first and then come to church. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is, we'll take all the freaky creeps, come on in here, all you evil people, let Jesus save you and clean you up. You know, God straightens you out. You don't straighten yourself out. You can't. The only people God can work with are those who admit they can't fix themselves. All right? And that's the only people God will work with. The rest, they suffer and they have a horrible life and they die and then they face eternity of judgment. It's a bad idea. If you're trying to do good because Jesus made it possible for you to go to heaven and secured the way for you. Okay, here's a big theological term. Propitiation. The appeasement or turning away of God's wrath against sinners by means of an atoning sacrifice. Jesus is our propitiation. In other words, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? If you say, I tried my best, what did you do with Jesus who I sent to earth and let him take your punishment? What did you do with him? Well, I used him as a swear word. Oh, that didn't count. That just adds to your condemnation. The only thing you can say to a righteous God is, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you can't tell God you're a sinner, you're not going to heaven. If you're thinking, I'm trying my best, I did good. Uh, Occasionally, uh, Easter I went to church in 2005. Doesn't that count for something? Nope. What would you do when the gospel was given? I ignored it. Sorry. You rejected my son. I reject you. As a matter of fact, it's Jesus who will say, 
Now, Jesus is the propitiation for sins. Jesus is the one who paid the price. It's Jesus who's going to be the one to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. That's going to be the most terrifying statement human beings in pawpaw are going to hear after they die. Their loved ones are going to be at their funeral saying, Oh, they lived a good life. They tried this and tried that. And they're freaking out before the great throne of judgment. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me forever. That's insane. Right? All right. So we want to mention two things. If we were to look at the churches in Pawpaw, you would uh, think that churches are based on works to be saved. And uh, without getting into too, too many details, in the bigger world, the majority of evangelical Protestant churches believe in two essential doctrines. Eternal security and believer's baptism. We're, now we're over the halfway point, so I want you to dig in one more time. Can I have your brains with me? Can we go a little further? Um, eternal security. This is very, very important. When I meet to talk about baptism with the folks in this church, we start here. You cannot, as a servant of Jesus, saved by the blood of Jesus, plummet out of the grace of God into hell because of something you did. Once saved, always saved, absolutely. Now let's go through it. Because my opinion doesn't matter. Bible matters. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. As you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, I'll take Jesus. I'll take Jesus over anything. Give me Jesus. You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, look at verse 14. This verse is irrevocable. You can't pull it out of context. What it says is what it means. The Holy Spirit is a deposit. What? Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Why? To the praise of you? To the praise of His glory. Holy Spirit, deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. Boom! Right? Let's keep that rolling. Ephesians 4.30 Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And just in case that isn't enough, 2 Corinthians 1.21-22 Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Who does it? God. Any fruit you see in your life, even though you're trying, and that's good, who gets the glory? Because who's really doing the work? God. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts. Wait a minute, look at this. As a deposit. Guaranteeing... What is to come? That's my Monday verse. Because, boy, am I a big loser. And I live for these. I sit back and thank you, God. Now I can get up and live for Jesus.
because He's got my back and He's got my front and He's got my sides. Everything is for Jesus. You know what I told my friend the first time uh, he led me to Jesus? He said, you're going to live for Jesus? I'm in my 20s. I said, I'll live for Jesus, but there ain't no way I'm going to be a Bible thumper and there ain't no way I'm going to tell other people about Jesus. I'm just going to be quiet and learn about Jesus. Okay? Didn't the Bible just say to work out your salvation as well? Didn't I just show you verses about working out your salvation? I did, didn't I? But here's the thing. So we all know people, little kids, they came to a VBS, they came forward, they raised their hand, but here's the deal. No change, no change. I know this is a big concept here, hold on. No change, no change. That's where I want to keep analyzing ourselves. Okay, There are folks who've, who've said they've prayed a prayer, they accepted Christ, but there was never, ever, ever and still to this day, never ever any evidence of fruit. See, Christ is working in us despite us. There will always be fruit when the Holy Spirit is indwelling somebody. Now that could be messy. Praise the Lord for messiness. Okay? A messy Christian is an awesome Christian. They might be lost, they might be hungry, they might be out there. If they belong to Christ, they'll eventually stumble into church. And they will not be happy in their lifestyles because they belong to Christ. But the bottom line is if you don't care about the things of God, you don't belong to Jesus. It's, that's, it's that simple. Alright. Uh, this is the last Bible verse about salvation and then I'm going to very quickly talk about some points of baptism. 1 John 1, 7, 8, and 9 That is not spiritual soap for the saved. This is a salvation Verse, verses. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from only some of our sins. Is that what it says? How much of our sin? Oh. Ooh, oh. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How do we know this is a salvation verse? When... No! No! Come on, hang in there, buddy. If we claim to be without sin... Now, when you're talking to a lost person, say, you need to ask Jesus, you need to repent. I ain't bad. I'm doing my best. These people are claiming to be without sin. All right, And that's the, usually the big issue. I, I'm not that bad. That's the biggest beef with lost people is they're not that bad. Humans are basically good. They just tend to do bad things. That's an illogical statement. And the fact that you believe it proves that you're still lost. Okay? If you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, yeah, I'm bad and I know I'm guilty before God. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakindeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakindeacon.com. Truth is here.